Well, good evening, Arcadia. Jesus is the greatest gift, but I'll tell you, another pretty good gift is when Malia and Tyler just cut loose on a holy night. Man! And I get to hear it three times. <laughs> you can be seated. So my name is Frank. If you're uh, new, you're a guest, welcome. We're glad that you're here. You're at Redemption Church, Arcadia. Redemption Church is one church with 10 congregations. We are gospel-centered and outward-focused. And we believe that all of life is all for Jesus. And uh, welcome to our Christmas Eve services. This is the middle one. We're glad that you are here. Uh, lots of singing tonight, short message. But also, uh, one quick announcement. We are going to be open tomorrow, not for our regular services, but we will have one service at 10 o'clock. And the reason for that is because I've done decades and decades of research, and I know that by 10 o'clock, the 10 o'clock hour, most people have opened all of their presents, and you're not quite yet uh, on your way to Fashion Square to return them. So you can come here first and then go to Fashion Square to, or Target or wherever to uh, return them. Uh, this service uh, tomorrow morning will be about 45 or 50 minutes. It's something we did in 2016 also when Christmas was on a Sunday. Um, it's going to be led by myself and um, uh, uh, my son-in-law, Joey, and um, Zach, who is, um, I think he's thinking about being a son-in-law. I guess I would call him a son-in-law in training. Maybe that's what it is. He hasn't he hasn't said anything to Shelby yet about it, but there's rumors flying around everywhere. I mean, I'm getting calls from Chicago and Texas about this. Anyway, so the three of us are going to try and lead it. The two of them are going to try and drown out my voice so that it'll be worth coming to. We'll have some readings as well, uh, but no sermon, and that should bring you in, if anything. So um, I'm going to ask you to stand again and then sit because we're going to read God's word together. And the reading uh, tonight this afternoon, is out of John chapter 14, verses 1 through 7. And this is, um, I want to let you know that this is uh, Jesus' last night before he's betrayed and he goes to the cross. So we're at the other end of this whole Christmas season now. And he's speaking to his disciples, his best friends. I think this is after the Passover meal and, and before uh, he is betrayed. And um, this is what he says to them, pretty important stuff. He says, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself that where I am, you may be also, and you know the way to where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? And Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth, and the life, no one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. It's the word of the Lord. You may be seated. So uh, Tyler mentioned this <clears throat> at the beginning of the third song. During the Advent season, we've been looking at Jesus through uh, different perspectives. So we've looked at him through the perspective of family, We've looked at him through the perspective of work or vocation. We've looked at him through the perspective of spirituality. And then last Sunday, we talked about him through the perspective of leadership. And tonight, we're going to talk about him briefly through the perspective of truth. And that would be truth with a capital T, ultimate truth, or what you might call absolute truth, because he makes that claim uh, in this passage. But I just want to walk us through this passage, because there's so much here 
um, that is so important for us to be able to grasp, especially uh, on, on the evening where we're uh, beginning, getting ready to celebrate the birth of the Savior, the, God's Messiah to us. So listen again to verse 1. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. Uh, I will just tell you that I wish I'd been a fly on the wall at that moment uh, to see the reaction of everybody else when Jesus said, believe in God, but believe also in me. Because he's talking to an audience that would have known what's known as the Shema in Deuteronomy chapter 6, the, 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 the Torah, which says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And now Jesus is making this claim that he is equal to God. He's God. He is God come in the flesh. Now, I will tell you, as a pastor, it's interesting going around in the marketplace, in the public sphere, and talking to people. And when people hear that I'm a pastor, it's always interesting how their attitude kind of changes. First of all, uh, they say, oh, I'm sorry if I've said anything offensive, like cussing or whatever. It's like, whatever. But they also then, some of them will begin to push back. They'll want to take issue with something about the church. And here's something that I have heard a number of times from people. They have said, you know, Jesus never said that he was God in the Bible. I've heard that from many people. And, and I know it seems a little bit snarky, but I, I always want to ask this question, and so I do. I say, well, have you read the Gospels? And then there's that awkward moment where they're trying to figure out how to answer that question because they haven't read the Gospels. And they say, well, no, I haven't read it, but I've heard that from so many other people. Well, oh, yeah, sure. You've heard it from so many people. Of course it's true if you've heard it. It's like finding it on the Internet. It must be true if it's on the Internet. You heard it from other people. Here's the deal. Jesus claims that he's God in, in the Gospel of John alone three or four times. He claims that he's God. It's why they wanted to kill him. They didn't pick up stones to kill him because of his teaching, because, uh, because he didn't like what he was wearing, because his hair was better than theirs. He, he was going to be killed because he claimed to be God. And so he tells his disciples, you need to understand that if you're going to get to the Father, you can get to him through me, and it's the only way that you can get to him. And, and the good news about that is I've been with you, and I'm going to prepare a place for you, and that's going to be a really good thing. Look at verse 2 again. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? Here's what Jesus is saying to them. There's plenty of room for anybody who would come and believe. And here's why. He says, this is not about works. It's not about making yourself worthy to be led into heaven. This is not about making some sort of a, like the PGA Tour, making the cut. You don't have to make some sin cut or non-sin cut. It's not about being better than your neighbor, which I don't, who's keeping track of that, by the way, and how's the accounting going on that? You're better than your, well, how, why should you get into heaven? Well, I was better than my neighbor. Okay, your neighbor's claiming the same thing about you. So anyway, um, it's not about any of those things. It's about grace. It's about unmerited favor. He went to the cross with no guarantee that he was going to save everybody, but with a guarantee that anybody who would come, he would save. That's what he's doing. And then he was raised from, uh, from the grave in order to give us new life. So we're forgiven of sin, we're reconciled with the Father through the cross, and we're given new life through the resurrection. And this is what is about to happen. We need to remember that Jesus was born, cute little baby Jesus, that's so fun and I like that, but he was born to die because he had a mission and that was to save us. And there is plenty of room there 
for us. And then there's a simple and yet profound reiteration in verse 3 of who you and I are in Christ. If we are in Christ, we are a part of God's kingdom. And that is something that we should celebrate. It, it, and I know we're busy and we've got family and there's traveling and, and all the shopping and the opening and the returning, all of that, and the eating. Let's not forget the eating. I understand that, but this is the reason why we're doing all of this. We're celebrating the birth of the Savior. And then, of course, verses 4 and 5. Who but Thomas would come and ask this question? Thomas, of course, the great doubter. Jesus, we have no idea where you're going. How do we know the way? And, and you know, we get on Thomas's case because he's, you know, he's always asking these questions. We need to remember that it's good to have a question asker in your midst. Somebody who's going to ask the question. Somebody who's going to who's going to bring us back to where we need to be, somebody who's going to point out some of the flaws, somebody who's going to raise. We have a great question asker on our board of elders here at Redemption Church, Arcadia. Some of you know his name is Steve Wheeler. Okay, All he does is ask questions. He asks you a question, and then he's not even listening to the answer because what is he doing? He's getting ready to ask you the next question. But I'm glad he's on the board of elders because he's always asking the questions that none of us are thinking of. Now, I will also say that he and Anne are in Coronado for the holidays, and so we've had a break, right, Tyler? <laughs> it's been very nice. So anyway, but it's good to have somebody asking questions. And he asked this question, and it was beautiful because he teased Jesus up for, for the, one of the most important verses in all of Scripture. Jesus looks at Thomas and looks at the rest of them, and in verse 6 he says, I am the way and the truth and the life. And notice there is a definite article there. He doesn't say I'm a way, but there are many ways. He doesn't say I'm a truth, but there are many truths. He doesn't say I am a life, but there are many lives. He says I am the way, and there is no other way. The truth. I am the truth, ultimate truth, absolute truth, and there is no other. I am the life. This is the only place where you'll find life, eternal life, is through me. And then just to make sure that we understand perfectly what he's saying, he reiterates it by saying it in a different way. It's called parallelism. He says, and no one, not one person, comes to the Father except through me. That is a beautiful thing. I, I will tell you, um, we live in a world that, that just says there, there is no absolute truth. There is no ultimate truth. I make my own truth. Truth is, is embedded in me. It's imbibed in me, and that's it. My truth is not your truth. All of this, all these goofy truth claims. And, and let me just tell you that if you are serious about truth, if you're really serious and interested in truth, you at least have to investigate Jesus. Otherwise, you can't claim intellectual honesty because he claimed to be truth. So you at least have to look at him. You at least have to look at him. There's this guy that's been around a long, long time. Seems like a very nice fellow. I've never meet him, met him, but I have heard him speak a couple of times. His name is Deepak Chopra. Anybody ever heard of him? Okay, so uh, the, the bio uh, describes him, and I got it off the internet, so obviously it's accurate, but the bio describes him as an author and a new age guru. Okay, so he's into new age, all right? Uh, I saw him at a conference once where he was having a conversation with other faith leaders. So there was a, a Christian pastor, there was a, uh, a rabbi, uh, there was an imam, and then, and then there was Deepak Chopra apparently representing uh, New Age. And at one point he says this, he says, I have dedicated my entire life to pursuing and investigating and trying to find truth. But I also know that if I ever find it, I know that I haven't found it because there is no such thing. And I remember thinking, what a miserable and wasted life. 
He just admitted that he spent his whole life seeking after something that he says doesn't exist and that he'll never be able to find. And of course, all three of the other faith leaders were saying, but we know the truth, we can help you, we can help you. And hopefully he turned to the Christian guy, but I don't know. There is truth. It, it is lived out, enfleshed in Jesus Christ. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And if you're going to have intellectual honesty, you have to at least investigate him. Read the scriptures. Read the gospels. Ask questions about that. And then finally, putting it all together in, chap in uh, verse 7. He says, if you had known me, you would have known my father also. From now on, you do know him, and you have seen him. That is the final piece. There's a church father named Athanasius, and he once wrote that if the world is against the truth, then I am against the world. And I appreciate that, and I know that there's a sentiment out there uh, among some Christians that say, you know, the church shouldn't be against anything. We don't like the negative vibes. We don't like the negative energy. You shouldn't be against anything. Let's tell everybody what we're for. The problem is, is that sooner or later, you have, to put, you have to take a stand. You have to stand up and say, no, this is what's true over here. Okay? And if there was one person who really took a stand, it was Jesus. It's why he went to the cross. He had another way, but he knew he had a mission, and he said, here's where I'm going to stand. I am standing on the truth. I am standing on the fact that I am the perfect sacrificial lamb for my people, and I will go to the cross. He stood for the truth, and we must also. And this last verse, this verse 7 says, if you know Jesus, you know the Father. You've been reconciled to the Father, and you have eternity secured for you in a place called heaven forever and ever. That's why we celebrate Christmas. That's why we're glad that he was born. Let's pray together. Our Father, we thank you for what you've done. We thank you for what you're doing, and we thank you for who you are. We thank you for your son, Jesus. We thank you for your word and its truth, and we thank you for your Holy Spirit who's here now. I pray that we would welcome your Holy Spirit in this place. God, as we sing these last few songs, I pray that we would reflect on all that you have done for us through your son, Jesus Christ. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We'll invite you to stand, and we're going to respond by singing, Go Tell It on the Mountain.
Jesus Christ is born. The shepherds feared and trembled when low above the earth rang out the angel chorus that hailed our Savior's birth. Go tell it on the mountain, over the hills and everywhere. Go tell it on the mountain that Jesus Christ is born. Down in a lowly manger, the humble Christ was born. And God sent us salvation that blessed Christmas morn. Go tell it on the mountain, over the hills and everywhere. Go tell it on the mountain that Jesus Christ is born. Go tell it on the mountain, over the hills and everywhere. Go tell it on the mountain, that Jesus Christ is born. Go tell it on the mountain, over the hills and everywhere. Go tell it on the mountain, that Jesus Jesus Christ is born, that Jesus Christ is born, that Jesus Christ is born. Amen. Okay, so we're going to sing this last song, Silent Night, and the tradition is that Jesus is the light of the world, and so we're going to light our candles at this time. A couple of instructions, sorry for instructions at such a solemn and sacred moment, but uh, first of all, uh, if your candle is not lit, you're the one that turns your candle because, like, just like what Stephanie is doing, because after it's lit, if you turn your candle, you might get wax on yourself or somebody else, and that wouldn't be very much fun. Uh, the other thing is, uh, once you're done with the candle, as you're walking out, blow the candle out first, and then drop it in the tub that's back there. We don't want any lit candles to be dropped in the tub back there. And also, you may need to keep your hand around it because the blowers are blowing right now, so it's very interesting. So let's start singing Silent Night. Silent night, holy night, all is calm, all is bright, round yon a virgin, mother and child, holy night. 
Thank you so much for being with us tonight. We pray that you would go and tell it on the mountain of this news, this good news, that Jesus has been born. Merry Christmas. Have a wonderful evening.